damas y caballeros, y bienvenidos a The Ringing Ear Podcast, the show about music, brought to you by two former record store rats, and brought to you by KillBoringMusic.com, your ally in the crusade against boring music. I'm Joby, Ken Job, writer, photographer, 911 dispatcher, new dad to Demon Spawn Alistair, and <laughs> with me as always... A man my son has some strong opinions about, <laughs> writer, photographer, uh, f- columnist for Billboard, The Daily Beast, dad, times two and a half, two and three quarters, soon to be three, Jeff Nail. Our aim this week, as it is every week, is to act as your guides through all genres, familiar and this week especially foreign, newer nostalgic to help you, the listener, avoid boring music because... Jefe, what do we do with boring music? Chingaeos y el caballo montaron. Fuck yeah. I mean, mm. all that that has nothing to do with music. <laughs> that, that, just, that doesn't matter. That just means fuck you guys and the horse you rode in on. The horses you rode in on. <laughs> I didn't want to embarrass myself doing all the doing all the Spanish again because I did that already last season. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it went okay, I guess, but I didn't want to do it again. So... Man, Alistair, what the fuck is your problem today? <laughs> he is so fired up, man. Oh, my God. So, yeah, you were asking me off the air about more kids. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were like, I can't imagine what it would be like to have a third. And I'm like, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'll let you in because I'll be able to let you know in about a month and a half. <laughs> Shit. If it was up to me, I wouldn't even have two. So. All right. I, I guess I should just briefly clarify because I know I've been switching pronouns like a madman the last few episodes. So my stepkid is a trans boy and we've just been having a hell of a time remembering to switch because, you know, I mean, I've known him for like, uh, what, three years now. And of course, yeah. you know, my, my wife's known him a little longer. So it's been hard <laughs> to switch pronouns. But anyway, so, yeah, he what, is, what is your step your stepson's name? His name is Vinny. Okay, so yeah, and 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 Vinny's a teenager, so it's he is sixteen <laughs> years old, and it hasn't been the most like the honestly the more interesting and important thing is the ferret anyway. So, I you know what I haven't seen proof of life on that ferret in a few days. I might need to go Ooh. down there and just make sure everything's all good. Yeah, that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. But so okay, back uh, for Christmas. As like a late Christmas gift, uh, my wife agreed to let Vinny get a tattoo. Vinny actually, I thought chose pretty pretty well uh, for what Vinny is into because he is a, a scarily obsessed with the Beatles. It's ridiculous. I, I uh-huh. mean, like obsessive. It's really bad. Um, okay, and he chose some some logo, some thing from Yellow Submarine that has some significance. It's a glove of some kind. Oh, I don't know. It's about very that colorful. Um, and when they went to get it done, the shop they went to, they said, Oh, we will need so and so to do that because that's his specialty. He'll make it look good, you know, all that. Uh-huh. So he got the tattoo. He didn't take care of it. Within a month it started to <gasps> fade and it looks like total shit now. That's that's kind of how my my stepkid is with all things in life, basically. Teen- and teenagers in general. Yeah, Yeah. Sure. Well, so uh, a couple a couple weeks ago, he went to a friend's house. His friend's mom is a tattoo artist, uh-huh. and he assured her. Now, I have to admit, uh, my, my stepson is a very convincing liar to people who don't know him any better. Okay. 
So he convinced my friend, his friend's mom, that it was completely fine with with Erica that he got a tattoo while he was there. So he came oh, home boy. with another tattoo. Oh, uh, no. However, she didn't give it to him. He did it himself. Oh, but, well, that's that's what we call the Slayer. <laughs> right? he, uh, or, well, or, he, or was it with a real tattoo gun? No, it's a real tattoo gun. Oh, wow. And oh, uh, he he tattooed the words let it be on his forearm. OK. Um, what he also did was basically put it on his arm upside down. It doesn't it's not right. It's not like situated right on his arm. It's upside down. Basically, he will deny that to the death. And he has. But he won't even let me see it. I haven't even seen it yet because he knows that I talk shit. And yeah, he knows yeah, if yeah. I see it, I'm like, what the fuck is that? It's upside, you know, I'll just start talking shit. And he, that's why he hates me because I, I say stuff like that. I don't just like, you know, sugarcoat Years. things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I haven't seen it, but uh, yeah, the, the brilliant lives of teenagers. You never had a Beatles phase, did you? No, the, really the biggest Beatles phase I've had has been in the past like year or two. I had a girlfriend in high school, like high school sweetheart, kind of like, <laughs> like all most of my relationships, highly dysfunctional, but... You know, at the time, I thought, oh, my God, I'm so in love. And uh, she was obsessed with the Beatles, and it totally rubbed off on me. I was uh, a pretty big fan for a number of years. And I, I've sort of demurred on them as I've gotten older. I don't think they're quite as good as I as I used to think. But um, right. it's still hard for me not to feel – it's funny because not our, not our era at all. And yet right. I'm nostalgic about the, uh, about the Beatles in general. Well, I think almost everyone must go through some kind of Beatles phase. Just about anyone who's into, like, you know, rock music. Rock, yeah, you'd have, kind of have to at least try it, right? The the kind of little honeymoon period is already kind of wearing off, though. Like, I've got my songs that I like, and then the rest I just don't even care about at all. Ooh, I smell an episode. Although, I don't know how much I want to flirt with the, with the Beatles lawyers. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, okay, let's we'll just play what's, the what's karaoke your, versions. What's, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite Beatles song? Actually, it's kind of funny because it's one of their really simple ones. I love We Can Work It Out. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. I love that song. And we can work it out. I don't think it was an album track. I think it was just a single, maybe. I just I love uh, the way it, it just it kind of represents like just the way that the two of them worked t- together so well. Yeah, it's got the happy you know kind of upbeat verses, and then the chorus is kind of a weird like minor thing, and it's a little more cynical. I just I like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 one Beatles song I always like to talk about isn't my favorite, but it's a it's a deep cut. And I'm not I'm not like flexing my my obscure muscles here. I just really like this song. It's meant to be a joke, and it's called, um, you know, my name. Look up the number, <laughs> and <laughs> and it's basically like uh, John and and Paul um, taking turns doing like Everly Brothers impressions and and lounge singer impressions, and it's supposed to be funny, but there are legitimate parts to the song that I kind of really legitimately like <laughs> as well. So, uh, yeah, check that. Check out uh, You Know My Name, Look Up the Number. Well, nice. um, we should probably get moving, yeah? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is episode 214 for those scoring at home. Uh, this is going to be our Songs of Mexico episode, uh, a, a day behind Cinco de Mayo, like, uh, like a, a typical musician. Um, and, uh, this one was fun for me. I, I, I had a, a blast listening to some of this stuff. Did you enjoy this one? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I sort of felt overwhelmed at first and then I just started to think of my favorites mm-hmm. and those, those kind of came flooding back and, and yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, and it was also good to have a guest, although we should, um, we should <laughs> tell our caveat right now 
that uh, not all three of us could take part. Yeah, yeah. This, this, uh, we're, I'm kind of bookending the the show, and you have our, your special guest, our designated uh, Mexican for the uh, the meat <laughs> of the episode. There's our hashtag, designated Mexican. <laughs> Everybody needs one. <laughs> You know, I'm a sucker for looking back. Let's uh, let's start with you, because my current is technically Mexican inspired and uh, that would dovetail into the elephant in the room. So why don't you start with uh, the Black Album? (laughs) Oh, you sound like mommy on date night. (laughs) (laughs) oh okay so i i lost the wager i was assigned the classic uh, metallica album the black album uh, self-titled commonly known as the black album this was their fifth album the blockbuster the one that made them the huge mega stars i really hated this album when it came out I ended up kind of begrudgingly at least acknowledging that it was a good album later on, uh, but I hadn't actually listened to it. I mean, I you know, there are songs everyone knows from just how much they've been hammered in, in your head on the radio. Yeah. But I hadn't actually listened to the entire album in probably, God, 25 years. I don't, I don't know. And it was kind of a mixed bag altogether. It um, is kind of a mixed bag, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, uh, I feel like the first... Uh, what would it be about five songs are really strong, uh, even though it's still a kind of a jarring departure from where they had been their previous album. It, yeah. Those are good songs. I, I, they're well crafted. They're catchy. They sound great for, for all the shit we gave Bob Rock on St. Anger. He really Jesus Christ, kid. He really hit it out of the park with the black album. That, that album sounds fantastic. Yeah, it really I does. Just, there's no denying. Well, you know, what I really thought was surprising, though, was how aggressive, how menacing the guitar tone is, considering yeah. how toothless it sounds now. They really didn't back off that guitar sound much at all. It sounds really good. It's heavy. No, the all all the guitar tracks, no matter what the song, they they've all they all have fangs. Yeah, yeah. they really sound good. Um, but yeah, the first five songs or so I feel are really strong. So I mean, if anyone's not following along, that's Inner Sandman, of course, Said but True, Holier Than Now, The Unforgiven, and Wherever I May Roam. I feel like all of those are really strong. Um, Holier Than Now, I had forgotten about. That was one of the ones I kind of didn't remember. And that I think that's a really good song. Yeah, it's uh, the 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 deeper cuts on this record. It's funny how how it's a testament to how big the singles were. Enter Sandman, Sabatru, Wherever I May Roam, Nothing Else Matters. And I think that's is that. Oh, and The Unforgiven. Yeah. Um, it, because I look back at the track list and I go, Holier Than Thou, I think I like that one, but I can't even remember one thing about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, although I've said this before, but I'll say it again because it's worth repeating, I think. Uh, track 10, The God That Failed, is my absolute favorite song on this album. Really? Well, except for maybe Sad But True. Sad But True is so good. Yeah, that that's an amazing song. And maybe the God that failed is just my favorite underdog with a with my favorite solo or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I'm always sort of <laughs> boostering the God that failed. But um, where did you? I mean, looking back on this, do you do you sort of feel like you were stupid <laughs> not to enjoy it when it was new? No, no, I, no? I, okay. I pretty much stand by that. It, I, I still feel like the rest of the songs. 
are so lackluster that it just is really uneven. Some of the, I mean, I don't know, man. I they they claim that commercial success wasn't their you know motivation, but I have a hard time believing that. But yeah. the, the songs just sound so stripped down and just so boring. Uh, it's just, yeah, I I can't handle. I mean, let's see. What were, let me look back at the track listing. Don't tread on me through the never. You you regard these as stripped down? Oh yeah, compared to like Injustice for All or Master of Puppets, yeah. Really? Because to me, this is this this sounds completely like stuffed, like a like a like a scarecrow with too much hay. Just production and layers, and it feels like such a production. Well, but yeah, I mean, the sound of it is good, but the songs themselves are just so bland. Oh, They're just you I know see what like you're I, it's just so too simplistic for me. Really, the one the one true surprise uh, that I had completely forgotten about. Believe it or not, the longest song on the album, My Friend of Misery. Uh-huh. I really liked that song. I completely really? forgot that song. I had no recollection of it whatsoever. Huh. And that one to me, that sounds like it, that could have been on, you know, one of their older albums. That could have been on Master of Puppets or, you know, one of the others and it, it would fit okay. right in. Uh, plus for me, I've gone on and on about how unimpressed I typically am with Kirk Hammett. I think his guitar playing on that song is just far and away better than anything else he's got, at least on this record. He plays like this kind of melodic, weird effects heavy solo. And then he Uh plays like a typical like Hammett solo. And that one just, oh, that one's blistering. And then he plays kind of an outro too that's really good, but blistering is a is the perfect descriptor i think for for his work on this album i think three of the four of them were all getting divorced when they recorded this record oh really yeah i I think all of them except for james oh yeah james has been with the same lady for a long time right or maybe he got married right right before this yeah they were all bitter and getting divorced and pissed off (laughs) so they all had some emotions to get out Yeah, you're right. That, that, that there's two parts to that Hammett solo, and the first part's really interesting, you know, kind of harmonic, and then uh, and then the the there's sort of a, a slight break, and then he goes into sort of familiar territory, and that's yeah, kind of he just like sets his guitar on fire, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's I I I hope we take a break from Metallica. We man, after editing that Metallica episode. Talking that Metallica episode, now this. I'm like, okay, enough Metallica for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm about Metallica now, that's for sure. Uh, I'm going to kind of stay in the same vein, and I cannot believe I'm wasting a current on this because it's not really something I'd typically be interested in. But I did see a band live recently 
Metalachi is the name of the group. And they are exactly what they sound like. They are a, a mariachi <laughs> band covering uh, mostly classic rock, but some heavy, heavy, not heavy metal, but hard rock. And uh, and it's it's really, really silly, um, but unapologetic. Let's see. A, a, a traditional mariachi band, their only real rhythm section is is that gigantic bass guitar. And and it's that's exactly what they use. They've got a couple of guitarists who sing. They've got a lead singer and a, and a, even a hype man. And I guess at the core of the group, the original like you know member uh, was this. I, I wish I should have looked up her name. She deserves the 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 regard. But she is um she's their violinist, and she she was especially good. Joby, let me ask you. Like if I I just told you what they're all about, is this something you would listen to? I mean, not not like seriously. I mean, it, it sounds like I mean, it considering it in a live setting, it sounds like a blast. But to listen to it like, you know, just <laughs> yeah. at home or in the car. No, as nice as they were. I met the band afterwards. I talked to their their, you know, their their booking agents and all really nice. But it's it's I kept going back to why can't we take this seriously? Um, and I guess because the band themselves don't really seem to take it, you know, quote unquote, seriously. But it, it is just so silly, and, and maybe maybe that's just due to the divergent sort of approach. I mean, hard rock can be so self-serious and loud and 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 sort of down, and yet mariachi music can be loud, but it's generally kind of happy and, and celebratory. Uh, is that is that why we we don't take this kind of thing seriously, or is it something else? Well, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, how there's only so how seriously can you it be taken i guess you know like i couldn't remember what uh, what song you were wanting to to play so i just picked a few at random just to listen to to see their you know how they sounded uh-huh. and um yeah i i i mean it it sounded fun that's like the only word i could think of when i was listening to it this, this is fun i mean sure i think my it, favorite yeah. was holy diver i think that was the one i really liked it's funny you say that because just like uh, seeing this band, you know, really this is just karaoke to a certain degree. Yeah, and and, and you just want to hear the the songs you already like, and you know, it's not like their treatment of it is going to change your opinion on any of these songs. So yeah, I, the Holy Diver is absolutely the one I wanted to play. Although I think uh, at the live show, probably the most impressive, and it's you know, to use the word loosely was their Bohemian Rhapsody and they do a pretty good job there. Oh, no kidding. Overall, this is really fun. This is like guns and roses and in queen. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I guess there is a certain element to their stage show that is, um, also silly because a lot of the talk on stage is, is about, uh, you know, getting laid and getting drunk. And it reminded me of Cheech Marin's speech in from dust till dawn, you know, <laughs> So, so I guess I'm answering my own question why it's hard to take seriously. But I, I will not say I did not have fun. I absolutely had fun. Go see Metalachi. And on, on top of that, they had a great opener. I'll tell you about them after, after the song.
Yeah, I, I tried really hard not to intellectualize it too much, and that paid off because I did have a good time at the show, like I say. Yeah, I, I can imagine seeing them in the right setting with, uh, you know, some some good, like some Modelo, some margaritas. Oh, man, <laughs> yeah, that would just be a blast. Unfortunately, this landed right in the middle of my sober April, so I was oh. not not able to take part, but oh, well. Oh, still sounds like a lot of fun, though. And, and it was fun. And the opener was especially fun, too, because uh, they were called uh, the Spice Pistols. <laughs> And okay. uh, that is that's exactly what it sounds like as well. It is uh, men in drag playing uh, Spice Girls and Sex Pistols covers. And it is it is that honestly, I might have enjoyed that band a little bit more. Were they were even, they mashups or did they play solely Spice Girls and solely Sex Pistols? Nope. They would go off and on. They would play Pretty Vacant and then they would play um, Wannabe. Oh, okay. So. so they didn't like combine the two, like play like you know, sing Sex Pistols lyrics over Spice Girls music or anything no. like that. Okay. No, but it but it is a hybrid <laughs> of great. sorts because you know, no matter even if they're doing Spice Girls, this is still like a you know a rock band setup. So oh, that's what I was gonna say. Is we were just talking about Oakley Dokley, mm-hmm. and I I you know you really did not like that, and it, it made me wonder if maybe we took the wrong approach with them. You know, I, but I asked you if they were doing it for laughs and you said no. And I think Metalachi kind of is right. You know, they're they're doing it for other reasons as well. But this is certainly not meant to be, you know, they're not looking for awards or to sell a shit ton of records. Right. Yeah. So, they're just they're just out to have a good time. What's the I guess that's the difference then. Um, OK, so that's Metalachi doing Holy Diver and uh, and check them out. They're a lot of fun. So we should probably set up the next segment. Yes, yes. So that brings us to the elephant in the room where we discuss, if we're lucky, a thought-provoking topic. Uh, And this week, we decided to go south of the border and discuss songs and artists of Mexico, where I might send this child. Um, (laughs) I, uh, I had a hard time. I'll, I'll mention my also runs, I guess, at the end. But the first two acts that I thought of were uh, both turned out not to actually be from Mexico. So I was a, oh, little, yeah. a little peeved about that. Yeah, it's one of those things where you it, it, it the, the research is difficult because if you search based on these keywords, you're going to get bands from all over. And I, I feel like there's a, a pretty strong case to be made for. Mexico and California being pretty similar, but I, I decided to be strict <laughs> yeah. about it and keep it with people yeah. and bands from Mexico. Job, I hate to I hate that you weren't a part of this, but we essentially if anyone's wondering why not, it's because we are not smart enough to yes, figure out that is correct. Basic basic uh sonic limitations. I I I mean I had two phones, two microphones going in the same room, and of course there was an echo. And so we we had to cut we had to cut bait like it's like we pushed Joby off the life raft we we just can't support you so then we just had a, a conversation here but we'll we'll come back at the end of this so you can say your part okay. This is Jeff Nail. I am on my own because we're too stupid. Or at least I am too stupid to figure out how to set this up so Joby can take part of it. Uh, Maybe we'll come up with a better excuse. But uh, joining me today for our elephant in the room is um, Maria Ocampo-Burden. Yeah, hi. Um, Maria was just uh, fucking with me a little bit. Never. Because she's listened to the show. 
and uh, she knows what it is, and then yet she sits here and she's like, "Okay, what is this? What am I doing?" Uh, so Maria's kind of an asshole that way, aren't you, Maria? Never. <laughs> uh, okay, so we are here to talk Mexican music specifically, and uh, I I know your whole history. You and I worked together for years and years. You were in my wedding. You've been a close friend for a long time, but uh, this is the first time you've been on a podcast, I imagine. Yes. And uh, let's give you a little introduction. Um, you're 62 years old. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, you are... Um, 45. Where, where where do we start here? Uh, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Why did we pick you? Why are you here on this episode? I don't know, because you're racist? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, you tell us about uh, your ethnicity. There you go again. Yep. Uh, I was born in Mexico. And Where specifically? In Mexicali, which is right on the border. It's a really shitty little town. Uh, what's it what's it comparable to? My shitty little town or even even shittier? No, it's like it's like Victorville. <laughs> okay. Or like Cathedral City. Uh, Cathedral City. What's shitty about Cathedral City or Mexico? There's Mexicali? nothing there. There's just nothing and there. And it's hot all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then in the winter it's really cold and there's nothing to do. Okay. And you grew up primarily in San Diego. Here. Bonita. Bonita, there you go. So which is yeah. which is uh, for people the uninitiated, where is Bonita? Bonita's kind of on the tail end of Chila Vista. It's horse country basically. Well at least it was when I was a kid. So even closer to Mexico than probably most of San Diego probably. County. Probably. Yeah. But yeah, I crossed my parents brought me over in a basket. We <laughs> crossed For real? No, yeah, we crossed the mountains in the middle of the night with a coyote. I can't ever tell if you're fucking with me. No, now. it's true, man. I was brought like in an orange crate. Right. I was like okay. a baby. Which is it, a basket or an orange crate? I don't know. The story changes every year. <laughs> but it was, apparently it was brought over in some kind of container. And you're the oldest. No, I'm the middle kid. Oh, that's right. You're the middle kid. I'm the middle and kid. you have an older sister. I do. She and... was not brought over in the basket. She walked. And a younger brother. And a younger brother who was born here. So he Got thinks it. he's gringo. Um, so you were not a legal immigrant. No, I was very much an illegal. How did that feel? I didn't know the difference. Like yeah. when you're a kid, you're growing up, you don't like nobody tells you, hey, you're illegal here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just remember my dad telling us to keep a low profile at school and to be good. What, what did that Whatever mean? that meant. Yeah, like what did you take of that advice? I just took, you know, do your homework and don't fuck around with people. So, and yeah, you, that's what I did. And you did do your homework. I did. I did. Uh, eventually ended up at UC Davis because I didn't yeah. fuck around. So. <laughs> And you went uh, pre-med and med? I was a pre-med, and then I went to medical school at UCSD, and then I dropped out because the shit was not for me. Yeah. Well, maybe because you're, you know, lazy Mexican, right? Shut up, dude. <laughs> you're a bad hombre. <laughs> yes. Yes. I am definitely a bad hombre. Yeah. And you and I worked together for years mm. in National City as, as uh, elementary school teachers, mm -hmm. and I would say a number of our students were, were immigrants. A good percent. I mean, I have quite a few students now that I know are here and their parents are not. You still teach in San Diego. I still yeah. teach in San Diego. So. And and can you tell? I mean, do they tell you? Do the parents mention Sometimes you? they do. They do? Yeah. Why, Sometimes why, they do. Why um, would they tell you? I think they, first of all, they know I'm not going to do anything about it. Um, and secondly, sometimes they have to fill paperwork and they're scared uh -huh. that they might have to divulge you know their legal status um and then you have to assure them that no i just need the information you know i want yeah i want to make sure i want to know if whether you qualify for free lunch or not or things like that and and they're sometimes very hesitant to share 
Well, uh, since we are a music podcast, um, why don't you tell me about your relationship to music? Because you're not a super fan, I don't think, but you do enjoy music. Oh, I listen to it all the time. What do you remember? What do you remember listening to when you were growing up? When I was a kid, um, again because we were illegal for so long, I think music was always uh, still a connection to home, home being Mexico. Um, but we would always listen to it quietly. Really? Yeah. It was. Oh, wow. It was always like my dad was so big on you know we gotta. It was almost like living in the shadows in a way. It yeah. was weird. Was and it hard to assimilate for your parents or you? My parents didn't assimilate ever. Like right. they're still like they arrived yesterday. You know, they still don't speak English and do all that. And so it was almost like we lived in two different spheres. You know, at home it was it was like being in Mexico and then at school, like you're this other person, you know, that has right. this other life and listens to other music. And then at home you listen to other stuff. Well tell me what so, you listen to at home. So at home we would listen, obviously as a kid, your parents kinda control the mm-hmm. The sound yeah. system. What were they? What um, were they listening to? And my dad would listen to a lot of very like, uh, you know, traditional mariachi music. The what we call them, the wapangos, the trios, the, uh, you know, it, music from like old Mexico, basically. Is this region specific or no? Yeah, this is region specific. My dad is from the state of Jalisco, which is where mariachis were born, basically. Mm-hmm. Where geographically are we talking? Jalisco? It's. Uh, have you ever been to Vallarta? Puerto Vallarta? Yeah. It's really close to there. Okay. And, and, and I'm, wait, wait. So that's on the western coast? Dude, it's on the coast, yeah. Yeah, okay. But Go it's ahead. a pretty big state, so there's a lot of stuff going on. Okay. Um, and so there's a lot of that. Because in the north, obviously, the music is very different. It's a lot more annoying, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so um, Wait, what's more annoying? The the Mexican regional music from the north, like, it's super annoying. It has, How like, so? that... Like real, the, the real tinny horns yeah, and Oompa Loompa yeah. kind of vibe. I hate that shit, man. So I still were, hate it. What, and, but you were listening to mariachi. Yeah, mostly. But then when my mom was able to take over the sound system in a way, she came from the north. And so she would listen to that annoying shit. Okay. So we would much rather listen to my dad's crap than my mom's stuff. <laughs> and so being my dad, you know, Mexican macho guy, when he was home, it was his music, you know. Okay. He kind of took over. Can you give us an idea of what kind of artists they were either with? Oh, or yeah. Like my dad would listen to people like Jorge Negrete and uh, Pedro Infante, you know, and all these like big mariachi macho dudes. And these were all in movies, too. Like these guys would sing. They were like the full package, right? They were Elvis. They were like, yeah. 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 Movies and music. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like, you know, they were the guys that women wanted to be with them and guys wanted to be them type thing. Sure, yeah. sure. And your mom? My mom, was, again, we kind of didn't really pay attention to her. And then once we moved, we got a little older, she started listening to more of that pop. Because then Mexico started importing some of that. They started importing some of that pop from the U.S., but mm-hmm. then all they would do is they would take the songs and just translate them. Oh, okay. And I don't re- know if they re-record. were paying rights or yeah, whatever, but yeah. they would just roll that way. And then she started listening to that shit, and that was annoying. Give me an idea. Like, oh, like some of the Elvis songs would take over, and then they'd like just add like shitty Spanish words. lyrics. Yeah. Okay. Or like the Beach Boys. Really? I don't know why. Like, it was so bad. Like, it was so bad. What was bad about it? It just sounded really dumb. <laughs> like, it just did. Okay. It didn't make any sense. And so, like, we would try to vote her down. Like, we don't listen to this shit. Like, yeah, We yeah. just don't. Okay. It's just crap. Um, uh, when did you first become aware of uh, uh, music from the, you know, the, the Wedos up north? I must have been, like, 
in middle school, like you really start listening to your own shit. Right? That long? Oh, okay. I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, 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 because you don't. I mean, it's not like in third grade, kids are bringing their little Walkmans or anything. Yeah, so but I mean, really... I, I remember even in first grade, I was, I still knew who Michael Jackson was. No, you're wrong. Fifth grade, a kid brought the Michael Jackson Thriller album, uh-huh. and I was like, "What's that?" You know, like what? The You'd hell? never heard it. I had never heard it before, and Mr. Robershaw, I still remember his name. He had like this record player because it was like an actual record, yeah. and he put it on, and we like everybody was moving around. I was like, "Oh, this is pretty cool." You and did you like it? I did. Okay. I did. I mean, I was what ten years old. How do you I, even whatever. begin to compare? You don't like it's so different. Okay. It's so different. But then there's something about it that just speaks to you, right? And you does, just want to. Does Michael Jackson did did Michael Jackson's music feel foreign to you? It did. And it does, totally did. Does it still feel foreign? Oh no! It okay. just feels like. And again, like I was telling you, you have like these two spheres in your life, and then and that's when you really, I really think, started separating myself from my, like outside persona to my inside, my family persona. That, yeah. And I still live in two spheres to a certain degree. You do. Oh yeah. And you're sure. raising a daughter in two spheres. I do, I do, because my husband's white, and so it's it's a totally different twist on things, which is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. And just to give Jason a shout out, your husband, yeah. what yeah. what what rings in his ears these days? Oh gosh, everything. He's listening to. You know, he's going back to a little bit of country because he's from Florida. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But he also listens to the hard rock, the 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 really hard stuff. Okay. So when did you become legal and how? Jeez. 1981. Don't ask me how I remember that. So you were a kid. I was a kid. I was still a kid. Like, I remember the process. What was the process? Well, it's because my dad had this weird job with horses the his boss had to prove that he was a worthy and needed worker Mm -hmm. and so it took literally like two and a half years to go through the entire thing and my dad the boss was like well we'll we'll get you sorted and your family later my dad like no it's like my family i mean that's the reason i'm here right like the family or nothing and so the guy just just did it for everyone and he actually paid for everything but it was like this series like people would come and interview us we had to go see doctors like we had to take all these exams. And How old tests. were you? Was I like eleven? Did you know what or was eight, it? nine? I Did you know. know what was at stake? Oh yeah, I knew. Because it was like today, a big deal. today it's even. I mean, I don't think your dad would have taken the risk. Probably not. Right? Probably not. Okay. Back then it was so different, and you weren't. We weren't that many, so okay. we were like kind of few and far between. What was it like growing up in the MS13 gang? Shut the fuck <laughs> up, man. <laughs> uh, what are you listening to today? Oh, geez. Um, I'm listening to a lot of classical music. Yeah, you've always been yeah, my go-to so. for classical. And you, very much so. I'm trying to remember who, who your favorite guys are. I can't remember. Oh, God. Gotta love Beethoven, man. I'm listening a lot to the last quartets, the last okay. string quartets. And, and was I the one that pushed Mahler on you, or did you already no, hate I him? No, I pushed Mahler on you. You like him. Okay. Well, he's still kind of brassy to me, but I still like him every once in a while. Okay. Like, you have to be in a certain place in your head to listen to Mahler, in my opinion. Uh-huh. And I'm also doing a lot of uh, Sibelius, like his violin concertos. They really speak to I me. I was going to say, you're the one that got me into, is it Paganini? Paganini's okay. Sibelius, though. You got you to go back to Sibelius. Who else is a, does violin concertos that you really like? Shostakovich. He does really good. The Russians. Uh, man, the early it... 20th century man. The I Russians was... kill it. I'm just looking for something specifically that you got for me for Christmas one year, and I can't remember. I think it was Shostakovich. I was definitely not. I don't recognize really? it. Yeah, so you know what to get me this year. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, 
not arbitrarily, we decided to do this episode now because of the time of year. Uh, we have Cinco de Mayo coming up this this very next week. What? Uh, can you tell us your thoughts? We don't thoughts? fucking celebrate Cinco de Mayo, man. That's, that's, a, that's a San Diego holiday. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, as a kid growing up in the States, were you, were you, was that your reaction? What the fuck is this? Yeah, exactly. Like, we never did this. And even going back to Mexico still, like, Cinco de Mayo means nothing. It's just a stupid battle in a little town of Puebla. I was going to say, I'm willing to bet we have a number of listeners that have not heard from you what I've heard from you about the oh, holiday. Of me, like, whinging about it? Briefly, briefly <laughs> tell us the history and why it's stupid. Okay, so Cinco de Mayo is this battle in Puebla where they the French tried to come in. In and the year 17-something? No, it was like 1860-something. I'm going to throw oh, it out so there. Oh, so that feels relatively new. Yeah, yeah. So It's not antebellum, but it's close, no, you know. Kind of around there, and a group of Mexicans, kind of ragtaggy team of people, just got together and yeah. was able to hold them off. The French. The French, who was like this great army at the time, right? And had this great, powerful. And Mexico is just Mexico, you know. And they won little... the battle. And they won the battle. They lost the war. They lost the war. <laughs> yes. Did you even know it existed before you were, say, ten or eleven in the no. states? No. You didn't even know. No. Like what? So I don't. I feel stu- kind of stupid that uh, I don't even know why it's a thing here. Well, the thing is that we figured it out, you know, when once you go to college and you start talking to like you because I when I was in college, I joined the Chicano movement because it was the thing to do. Right. And so um, we figured out that it was kind of like for here in the States, it's kind of the start of summer and it's kind of a kickoff thing. Okay. So it's a very convenient time of the year to celebrate yeah. drinking beer and eating tacos. Right. <laughs> Which should be a holiday every day. Uh, we've come to the portion of the show that we call The Elephant in the Room, in which we discuss a hopefully thought-provoking, musically-related topic. And I'm sure it will be with uh, Maria sitting here in front of me to talk. I mean, I've got some some favorite picks, but I'm kind of hoping you'll analyze it. We'll, we'll listen to it together. Yeah, yeah. And I've got Joby's picks, so we, he'll still he's still with us in spirit. Uh, but The Elephant in the Room this week is uh, Music of Mexico. And Maria... Let's start off with something that you like, uh, because you you sent us your picks ahead of time, and it looks like you picked one of your father's favorites. I did. Tell us about Jorge Negrete. Oh. Negrete. Let me try and say that correctly. Yeah, you're. That's horrible, man. <laughs> Negrete. I've got <laughs> a pretty good accent, but no, I really don't. I really botched Negrete. So yeah, this is a traditional song of Mexico, and I think. The reason I chose this one specifically, mm-hmm. which is called Cielito Lindo, Mexico Lindo, right? Oh, is this Cielito Lindo? No, it's Mexico Lindo. Okay, I was going to say, I would have known and, that. Um, I thought a lot about this one, and I think the reason I chose this song is because my father would listen to it so much. And I remember him, like, being a little kid, he worked on a horse ranch, and we all lived on the ranch. Like, sometimes after work, when it was really, really late, he would sit outside, he would drink a beer... And he would sit on the steps of the house and he would list. He had this little, little, little tiny, you know, cassette, cassette thing, yeah. whatever, you know, and he would play the song over and over again. And I never really paid attention to why this meant so much to him. But once I grew up and I listened to the lyrics, you're like, oh, shit, now I get it. You do. And get what? Get the song and why it was such a big deal to him. The song is about being away from home. Oh. And the song is about, basically it says, 
fucking A, if I die away from you, tell them that I'm asleep and return me to home. Oh, okay. And so the funny thing is that now as an adult, every time you go to a bar and you're like in a different country and you hear this song and you're somewhat drunk and there's another Mexican dude there, he instantly <laughs> becomes your brother. And you're like hugging and kissing and you're crying, the ugly cry, you yeah. know, that yeah. kind of cry. Okay. And, and it says that over and over again, you know, if I die away from you, tell them I'm asleep and bring me back. And so it's that longing for that mythical, wonderful place we call Mexico, which, okay. you know, because I think those of us that live away from our country, we have this idealized Mexico, right? which is so different from the real Mexico. Once you go down there, you see the violence, corruption, and all that other shit. Yeah. Voz de la guitarra mía Al despertar la mañana Quiere cantar su alegría A mi tierra mexicana Yo le canto a tus volcanes, a tus praderas y flores, que son como talismanes del amor de mis amores. México lindo y querido, si muero lejos de ti, que digan que estoy. Dormido y que me traigan aquí, que digan que estoy dormido y que me traigan aquí, México lindo y querido, sin muero lejos de ti. Uh, just to revisit this real quick, uh, Jorge Negrete was was a huge star. Oh yeah, he was like, he is was he like a, Sinatra. Is he a dead star? Oh yeah, he okay. died. And the funny thing is, this was his song, right? He died in L.A. So oh. when his body was oh brought back to Mexico, of course the song, the song over and over, and people like ugly crying. Oh, oh yeah, geez. like and so you see his body. So there's these images in your head as a kid, right, that you've seen, because this is like old, he died like a long, long, way before I was born. Okay. But still, you see like the old black and white reels, right, of his body like being carried off the plane and the mariachis like over lying in and state. over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people like, like thousands of people in the airport going, ah, you know, he died away from home. And this, this guy didn't come up on his own. I mean, he No, must he have... was actually pretty wealthy on his own. Oh, I just mean he would have, he was a, he was a one-time opera caliber yes. singer. Yes, he was. And he must have come from money, maybe? Yeah, he did. He okay. did. He wasn't like the other guy who was like, of the people. His voice is, it doesn't sound operatic. You know, it's butter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it really, it really melts, doesn't mm -hmm, it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, that is, Jorge, and then uh, Joby picked a song called La Carencia. What does that mean? Uh, like the love. Love. Okay. Yeah. By Panteon Rococo. Do you know oh, that no, song? No, Carencia. I'm sorry. Carencia means like something you're lacking. Oh, like a deficiency. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you know anything about this song? 
you know, I bet I've heard it, but I would love to hear it. Okay. I played you the wrong song. You did? Yep, I'm sorry. Right, Let's start over. is I feel like that's reminiscent of, of some stuff that would come later man I'm actually I'm not sure when that came out let's see what year is it from that is mm, Pantheon Rococo Rococo right Rococo, yeah. <laughs> and that song well this is a live recording the live recording was released in 2005 so who knows it sounds uh, like it should be very recent because it's that hybrid crap that they're doing nowadays is that I'm trying to remember what Ozo Motley sounds like is anything, I feel like that's yeah, it's when you, different from yeah, it's kind of like that. It's kind of uh, it's there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen here, right? And I think a, a lot of people are doing that nowadays. Is that they're coming up with these hybrid songs? I don't know. A hybrid of what? What elements? like hybrid of like the old stuff and the new stuff? Like you'll you'll they'll take a song that was originally like a mariachi mm -hmm. like traditional song and they'll add some rock elements to it. Okay, and make these hybrid songs i guess this may not be a fair comparison but mm -hmm. a, a band that i immediately think of is los fabulosos cadillacs i mean that's kind they, of more ska inflected probably yes, yes. but still a hybrid right yeah but this is like but they'll mix things that are totally different you know like not okay. even like obviously you take rock and a mariachi are totally different right so or they'll add a little rap into a mariachi song you know stuff okay. like that and that's uh, what's happening right now i think yeah i definitely got this mixed up with his number Oh, here, here! I screwed this up. That was actually his number two pick. Uh, his number three pick. We'll just switch it out. Uh, so my number three pick is a song I've actually asked you about before, mm -hmm. Pachuco. Yeah. Uh, I heard this on a video game, but I immediately recognized I've, I've certainly heard it somewhere yeah. else. Tell me about Pachuco, Maldita vecini, Vecindad. Y los hijos del quinto patio. Yeah. yeah. Well, first off, translate the group name. Yeah, so it means damn neighborhood, basically. The damned uh, but, neighborhood? But, yeah, but... Um, that is more of a uh, of a lower class neighborhood. Oh, okay. It's not just neighborhood. Like it's specifically more of a you know somebody working class neighborhood. Is it is it synonymous with ghetto or is it no not a little above that? A little above that. Okay. Um, y los hijos del quinto patio, the the kids from the fifth uh, block. Block. Basically. Okay. Yeah. And this this came out in '88, I think. It looks sounds like. about right. Yeah. Um. This is a very catchy song. Did oh, you, yeah. Did you like this? Oh, yeah. Okay, why? This came out when I was 15. Okay. And we had... Um, so once we became legal, we would go back to Mexico as much as we possibly could because we had spent 
seven years without going back. Really? That or long? Was it, yeah, was it five or seven? So just staying here and isolated on top yeah, of it. Okay. Basically. And so by the time we had our little, you know, crossing little card, I remember holding in my hand and my dad's like, we're going, we're going to see family. Okay. And it was a big deal. And, and where would you go? His, his. Oh, we would go all the way down to where his parents live down in Jalisco. Jalisco. We'd okay. go visit my mom's family in the north. And it was like constant at that point. So okay. every summer we were down the village. Every holiday, we were down in my mom's family. And uh, that's when I kind of became a teenager, you know, kind of here and there. And so okay. we had, we discovered, you know, like the first time I got drunk was in Mexico, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> well, you and a, a, a host of white kids <laughs> can, can also share that. And it was listening to this kind of music, you know, that's when I discovered the rock and espanol thing. Yeah, and I have that written down here, yeah. rock, rock, and rock and espanol. I mean, these guys kind of crossed over. This is a huge hit. I mm -hmm. mean, the Perry Farrell took a, a notice mm -hmm. of them from Chains Addiction. Um, and you were, we were just talking about hybrid. I mean, this is also. Oh, yeah a major blender of elements you've got rock and ska and, mm -hmm. and even some mexican folk yes um so yeah there's like a distinct oingo boingo there is in and, and you can style. tell in the early like i guess the rock and espanol thing started like in the mid 80s mm -hmm. and they really like you could really tell like how they borrowed elements from here from like the cure and like yeah. you said oingo boingo you hear like you definitely hear some of that but it there's also elements that are very much Mexican. I was going to say, Oingo Boingo is a perfect mm -hmm. uh, a bridge for... Oh, yeah. Because it's so horns forward, and it's it's dancey, and it, it, it feels like it is, it's it's perfect mm -hmm. to be adopted by Mexican culture. For sure. So, okay, so the lyrics uh, are a sort of a narration of a society yearning to improve their economic status. Now, being that I'm not fluent, even though I've taken... <laughs> I mean, literally years, like the better like part of a decade. 20 years? No, no, no. But I like from, from junior high through college, I took at least like it must have equ be equivalent to like seven and a half years of Spanish. Where'd it go, man? Well, if you don't use it, it goes, right? Yeah, I guess. And uh, so so you tell me, is this, is the, what are the, what is Pachuco about? Well, this is interesting because I just saw a thing on pachucos the other day. Really? What is, so, a, what is a pachuco? So a pachuco is like old, like old, old school, like the, the dandies, I guess. Like the zoot suit guys. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's and what so they were like the tough, cool guy. Like dolled up gangster look. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, sort of. So are we talking like 20s, 30s, like that era? Or are we talking later? We're talking later, I okay. think. Um, you know, the girls with the hair that's super made up with the little roller deals. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, very made up. And the guys with the super sharp suits and the... Those so are this the song pachucos. is about about that, but also... Yeah. Uh, but uh, then now, like, pachuco can mean... Like, it's a word that's hardly used at all now. Like, it's a pretty old word. Like goche. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. I still remember our <laughs> Unless students... Unless you're from Mexico City, you yeah. still use goche, so... I remember I our students saying carro. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and because I, you know, I took my Spanish classes with, you know, aged textbooks. Like, I would say, that's no, not the word. It's gotcha. <laughs> it's gotcha. Uh, okay, so. Do Let's you, listen to it. Can we listen to it? Do, sure. Yeah. If you're going to push me, Jesus. Yeah, man. Get on the ball.
so so is this an homage or is this like a sarcastic commentary? I mean, because my notes say that this is about being poor and yearning to not be poor, essentially. What What is the song about? I, I think it is about a struggle more than anything. Yeah. And I don't think he's being sarcastic about it. Or maybe okay. he has a little bit, but uh, I think it is that struggle, you know, because there's so much poverty in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So how does the, the, the zoot suit type Pachuco fit into that narrative, yearning to be Well, better? I mean, if you were from this certain neighborhood, but you were the sharp dressed guy, you were like, you know, the big fish in the little pond. Oh, I see. So thing. was this something to aspire to? Yeah, for, okay. like for some people, you know, it was a way... I don't know, for a moment to forget the poverty where you're from, I guess. I've really been enjoying this week listening to Maldita Vecindad because... They're pretty good. Uh, like, this, there's another song called Un Poco de Sangre. And uh, I don't know if you know that one. I but don't remember that it's, one. It's real. It's not as good as Pachuco, but uh-huh. it's it's very catchy, this stuff. Hmm. So uh, they've been together for nearly 40 years, and they've only produced five albums. Wow. Not exactly workhorses. Or they are, and they don't... They've got numerous projects, maybe. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really know. We kind of lost touch after, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to your next one. Uh, you picked Cafe Tacuba, which is a group I'm sort of familiar with. Really? What well, do you know about them? I feel like they've been they've been promoted to white audiences for decades unsuccessfully. Yes. Like I, I remember think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> I remember Cafe Tacuba being on samplers and promotional <laughs> items when I was working at a record store two decades ago. And liking it enough, but but really, like uh, I feel like the NPR set really wants white people to like this. Mm-hmm. I, is it a good on ramp? Do you think? I think. I mean, I'm asking you for a white perspective. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, Are you cold? Do you want me to close that? No, I'm good. I'm okay. good. Um, you know, I think. I think it's safe enough for audiences here. Meaning, like it, it doesn't feel too foreign. Okay. I don't think. Do they speak in English sometimes? I think they do. Think they like do sometimes too. they'll rap in English a little bit. Okay. Um, well, what do you like about them? And specifically, um, the song you picked is La Ingrata. Well, the thing is that the reason I chose Café Tacuba is because um, when the big rock and español thing came out, Mexican bands were a small part of it. Actually, to be honest, like most of the big bands that made it huge were from Argentina Such and as? from Spain, like Soda Stereo like from Spain, like Hombres G and all these other people that, uh-huh. La Unión, you know, that made it really, really big. Or even, um, did I just say La Unión? Anyway. Yeah, you did. Um, not from so these, these different bands came from other Spanish-speaking countries, and they really hit it really, really big. Like, yeah. I think one of the biggest ones was Sol Estéreo, which everybody was dying for because they were just great. You know, you had the head guy, Gustavo Cerati, who was like a genius. Um, and I think the Mexican bands, they, a lot of them came out, but very few really, really like became those big players, I okay. guess, in that big movement. Do, so. does, do Mexican musicians have a complex about being looked at a certain way by the rest of Latin America or something? I don't know. That's a really good question. And there's always that shadow of all those bands from Spain, you know, and because Argentina. it's just Spain, you know, Spain, yeah. Spain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, Okay. <laughs> Um, and there's a, uh, it's been a while, a couple of days since I listened to it, but there, there's an Oompa Oompa thing here. Yes, there is. And, and I, I think that's why, because I think he meant it to be kind of annoying. Oh, really? Kind of, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like a joke. Like he's being sarcastic in a way. And okay. I think that's why I chose that. And because Ingrata means ungrateful. Right. So, or, or is it the ingrate? 
yeah be ungrateful <laughs> but the female so obviously he's talking about a woman oh of course right because the okay come on man i thought you took seven years of fucking spanish <laughs> shut up man <laughs> um i would be willing to bet joby likes this he is famously uh, a fan of polka and i can't help but feel like there are polka roots mm-hmm. in this song yeah and you like this because the specific song because it's just so different it is different, even different for Cafe de Cuba. Oh yeah. Oh really? Like it's different. Like to me, it's different, and and I, um, I remember some really good times with this song. <laughs> it also reminds me of a lot of other shit I, I did. I think I can read between the lines on that. So one. Um, it's just a fun. I think it's just a fun song to listen to because it okay. is so different. a party jam is that oh what? yeah for okay. sure it, it almost sounds like a joke is it meant to be and, funny and, and it reminds me of like being in college and and going back to really embracing that mexicanness you oh, know okay and, and i think that's part of why i chose this song because it was i just had a lot of really good times with this <laughs> tell me now that's interesting because i i i can only imagine uh with all of my built-in privilege what it it must have been like to you know to be under the radar, mm-hmm. sort of hide your ethnicity, your Mexicanness, as you put it, and then you get to college, you join the Chicano movement, and then is it is it kind of like, does it kind of go from a point where you're avoiding stereotypes to where you you're kind of saying fuck it? Yes, very much so. At that point, I'm like fuck it, I'm proud. You know, yeah. it was almost going through that I'm brown and I'm proud. You know, brown power and all that stuff. Yeah, and, for and all I, its good and and its flaws. Yeah, right? and then I joined Mecha, which is the big Mexican Chicano movement in college. Uh huh. And you know the socialist movement and all that other stuff. You yeah. know, because I'm me, I'm finding me, right? Yeah. In Northern California, of all places. <laughs> <laughs> and um, a lot of this music goes with that. You know, to be okay. like, yeah, you know, fuck you. I'm Mexican. If you don't like it, you can go fuck yourself. Oh, see, now. It was that, that kind of thing, you know? This is and why. I can be silly and I can be, you know, I can be ridiculous just like this song. And I'm just going to throw it in your fucking face. <laughs> so it was it was that kind of moment. And I think that's why this song, when you gave me this little task, I was like, yeah, that's got to be in there. Okay. It just has to be. It's so much more than what it sounds like then. Yeah. This is why I knew you'd be good on this show. <laughs> because I'm listening to this at home and I'm I admit, like, this is shit. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is because it's the way he sounds. It's and so, it's almost like he's saying, fuck you. Yeah, you know? It's but cartoonish it's, almost. It is. Yeah. And but if you don't like it, you know, go screw yourself. The subtext is fuck you then. Basically. And I wow. think it was that fuck you moment in my life. And I relate to that. Okay. All right. Nice. Okay. Uh, I'm going to switch over to, let's see, am I going after Joby? I think I am. I think we skipped you, Joby's number three, and I'll go oh. back and do his. Uh, I, I don't mind saying this. Joby certainly, I, I do feel a little bad saying this with him, not, not able to represent himself. 
Um, but I was excited because this one especially I did not like. Oh, what is it? And this this is, um, let's see. This is Banda El Recodo. Oh, man. This is like go get drunk music. Do you know, do you know who this is? Oh, yeah. Do you know where they're from? I don't know where they're from, but definitely every wedding you go to, every big celebration, uh-huh. this band will pop up invariably. Like this is this is very polka. Oh yeah. Or, or at least I, I think it is. Joby is a big fan of that, and because this is like sousaphone type tuba. <laughs> uh, this yes. Is, yes. I think this is Chiapas or. Dude, the only time I've been able to appreciate this shit is when I'm like pretty wasted. <laughs> Well, the, the music, I mean, it's so brass heavy. Yes. It's really tinny yes. and overwhelming. Yes. But, but people love this. Oh, yeah. Why? I'm trying to figure that shit out myself. I don't know. There are some powerful voices. There's some powerful mm-hmm. singing. And I guess you'd have to be. I mean, they're big. And they'll, they'll play and sell out crowds, you know. They're, like, you they're huge. Have, do you even have to amplify this? They're so loud. <laughs> I just don't like it. You just don't like it. I just don't like it. All right. So this is Pantheon. Oh, no, this is not Pantheon. This is Banda El Recodo with uh, El... I want you to say the name of this song. Oh, El Corrido de Mazatlán. Corrido is like a a song that people will write about something, about an event or a person. Uh It's almost like a... a, Yeah, like a story about a famous person or somebody that did something special. They'll write a corrido for you. funny thing about this is I'm looking at the cover and I'm not kidding they have 20 people on the cover of the record oh yeah these are like the big huge bands where they're all dressed the same and they uh-huh. all have like the boots and the you know the the shirts that are like super vibrant colorful maybe you can translate something for me for lack of a better word and and at the risk of being a, a super super weto <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times I'll be in traffic and uh, a dude will pull up in a truck and he's blasting this. And I look at the guy and he looks like, you know, if he if he were anyone else in our part of the world, he'd be listening to heavy metal. He's a young guy. Yeah. You know, it feels like he, if anything, he should be like on the edge of music or at least near it. But this, and then yet this feels so traditional. Why is he, why is that particular gentleman blasting this? The only thing I can figure out, and part of the reason I don't like this music, is that there is a relationship between this music and the narco culture. The, the narco culture. The, the oh, narco culture. Okay. And so narcos, when they would have their big giant parties, they would have this kind of music. And so 
And a lot of these songs talk about that, and it's almost like they glorify it to a certain degree. I see. And see, that that drives me crazy. Like, I don't like So don't there's like a cultural that. undercurrent to this. Yeah. Where, what's, the, what's the subtext of this, then, that I'm dangerous? Yeah, I'm, you know, don't mess with me. I'm, like, the big macho guy, and I'm, you know, I'm carrying, you know, that kind of stuff. That's kind crap. of funny, though, right? Just when, It's when ridiculous. You, when you I find compare it to how it sounds? Yeah, and it sounds like it should come out of a, you know, like a... Like a wax disc. Yeah. It's, it sounds it's, very traditional to me for some reason. To me, it's just absurd. Is it traditional, though? It's not, right? I mean, it has Jewish. its roots in very traditional music, but they've definitely taken it a different direction. Okay. Say. And this is Banda. Yeah, this is definitely Banda. And Banda specifically is... How do you describe it? Just just big, just, a lot of dudes? A lot of dudes, a lot of people, a very lot of brassy. Yeah. Um, you know, the dudes standing around with their big belts and the buckles and the, you know, and they all have greasy hair. I, I, just, yeah. I just don't like that shit. And they, you know, the they're very, um, you know, objectify women and that kind of bullshit. Yeah. So stuff I don't really. This was also describe. described as Norteño. Yeah. Um, but this is a Southern group. Mm -hmm. uh, is, so, but this is a Southern group, Chiapas or Oaxaca, is that how you say Oaxaca. it? Oaxaca. Oaxaca. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're doing a Northern style then. Yes. Okay. Uh, what do you make of that? Is that common? Sucks, man. <laughs> okay, maybe we should move on. <laughs> uh, let's see then. Um, uh, okay, so moving on from that, that was Joey's number three. We we accidentally did his number two ahead of time. You've got Jorge. I've got Maldita Vecindad. Um, you did La Ingrata. Joey's had, had his uh, La Carencia. So I'm moving on to sort of a guilty pleasure, and you know the song I picked because I already told you. Oh, you're already geez. you're already making a face. <laughs> So, so the song is Te Aprovechas. It's by Grupo Limite. Mm -hmm. And when I was a 20-year-old working in a chain music store, uh, I had probably the nicest boss I ever had named Elisa Gonzalez. And she listened to all kinds of music, mm -hmm. although <laughs> I will give her a little... Not, not that I've, I haven't talked to her in years and probably decades, but uh, she, she had kind of very pop centered mm. tastes so she would play i remember barbie girl being like a big hit when we was working oh, there by, wow. by aqua she would play that she would play you know just pop stuff but she started to play this group limite group and specifically the song te aprovechas got stuck in my head <laughs> i mean it got and to this day when i i, I there's something so lyrical about her voice <laughs> that I end up singing along at the top of my voice. So, of course you do. So, but but this is Norteño, but more like in a Tejano and and yeah, vibe. poppy kind of. This is pop music. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is this garbage? In my very humble opinion, <laughs> yes. Well, what and now you're sort of I we haven't really established this, but in terms of of eth, you know ethnic Mexicans, you're a, a woman apart. You're kind of a weird Mexican, right? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> you know, like you have different tastes. Like this is very popular. Oh, yeah. It, when this came out, oh, shit, man. Everybody was listening to it. Tell like, me. I remember going down to like baby showers and crap and they would play this stuff. And, and te aprovechas, in case they don't know, means take advantage of me, right? Yeah. So is there kind of a sexism built in there or yeah. is it the opposite? No, oh. there is. And I'm not cool with it, but... You know, I'm going to go for it. Listen to it a little bit. <laughs> this was a launching pad for Alicia Villarreal, uh, who had a huge solo career, I guess. Yes. I'm not familiar with her by name. Although the song doesn't even feature her. This is uh, a different song, Beatriz Alejo Jimenez. Uh, in 95, I guess this was, their, this was their first record. And it's funny because I remember stocking these CDs, and it just looked old. 
you know, it just it just looked like I don't like know something your grandma would listen. No, to? it's like it's a, it, you know what it is. It's all it's the wardrobe. It's the cowboy hats. Yeah, it just ma- it seems like it's from another era yeah. to to an American, you know, and uh, and, and the I tight just, jeans and the yeah, yeah. And, and sort of a. It, it, I've always sort of felt like the structure is kind of traditional in in a lot of the yeah. music that I would hear. And granted, it was not a wide swath. You know, I did not dive into to Mexican specific music really, or even Spanish speaking music mm-hmm. very often back then. So, uh, but they had a, a big record out called Por Puro Amor. Is that for true love? For mm-hmm. pure love? For pure love. And uh, it, it's it's so weird that I like this. Even I know better than this, Maria, because it's yeah, so is, dopey, right? It is. It's pretty <laughs> shitty. It's a, it's like it even has this plodding cowbell. Oh yeah, bonk, bonk, <laughs> bonk. Yeah. So you can imagine me sitting there in a baby shower, like surrounded by ladies wearing pink, yeah, and they're listening to this and they're you know drinking their whatevers. But is this a feminine song? It is sung by a woman. Is this a fe- like would women flock to this song or both sexes or what? I remember both sexes listening to this, but definitely women would be okay. like this was their jam, you know, for a while. This is kind of about fuck buddies. Yeah, kind of. Right. And the thing is that like in Mexico, women tend to marry younger. And so by the time you're 30, you're like old because your <laughs> kids are like fucking 20. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so these married women would it was it was their jam. They sure. would they, they would this is sort of a fantasy then. Yeah. Uh, because the, the lyrics in English go and you leave me and you have me when you want you chase me if you love me. I am your hunting prey. Fudge, man. It does feel like a self-subjugating uh, yeah, like a... kind of thing, but it's so addictive. Let's play it. like i'm here at your mercy take me yeah. you know you can take me whenever you want to fuck me it's, so it's, it's like come it's, on man don't, <laughs> don't put yourself in that position girl have some dignity uh does music like this still pervade the the pop landscape up down there yeah i mean it was more so in the past i think now we're finally starting to feel empowered as really? women like it's it take it's taken us a while i can't wait to discuss my number one then on that all note. right all so right. we'll leave that as the teaser um Let's see. You have a song by. Uh, actually, I'm very proud to say I know Molotov. You better, man. Uh, I remember getting this album. This song is "Give Me the Power," and I had heard it before when you sent me your pics. I was like, 
I thought for sure you'd be picking some underground or like no way weirdos know about this shit. And yet this is highly westernized or highly northernized, I guess you'd say. Right. This is heavily influenced by American culture. Yeah, it is. It is. But I'll, I'll I guess we can talk about why I chose this one. Oh, OK. Gotcha. So, yeah. Well, I just let me tell you a real quick story. Yeah, go for it. We got this in my music store and I think we had to keep it behind the, the counter. Why? Because of the cover. Ah, the cover. Yeah. I mean, Maria, just for the yeah, the sake yeah. of our listeners, can you uh, first off, the album is called Donde Wara. Say it for me. Donde jugarán las niñas. Jugarán las niñas, which means where, where were the little girls play. And the cover is, you don't see her face. You you see kind of the a, 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 you have to assume is a teenager's thigh mm-hmm. in a short sort of schoolgirl outfit, and her panties are down to her kneecap. Yeah. So what's what's going on here? Well, yeah, I think I think they're being I, they're just trying to push the envelope. I think. How just, so? Well, having a girl, obviously, she's in a school uniform. Mm-hmm. You know that. Thing. Is it meant to be risque, or is there? A I, greater, I think so. There's I think not so. a greater commentary. I don't think so. I think it's just, and then donde jugaran las niñas is also Mana, which is a very safe group. Uh-huh. They they came out donde jugaran los niños, where will the children play? And they specifically said niñas, which Where means little girls. girls play. Yeah. So I think it was also making fun of the other, which I'm pretty sure the other album came out before this one. I could be totally wrong. Yeah. But um, I think it's also a commentary on the safe pop rock pop groups. I see. And they're like, you know, we're going to just do something really different. So is the, I'm going to make... Even kind of, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, what? it's pushing. It's really pushing it. I'm going to make a weird comparison Go here. for it. It's almost like it, this is reminding me of Danzig's Mother. Do you know that song? No. <laughs> it's Mother, Don't Let Your Children Go Out at Night. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm, basically, the message is I'm the predator and I will, I will fuck your daughters. Yeah. Is that part I of it? I mean, that? it could be. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so why did you pick it? I picked the song. and Give um, me the power. Give me the power. In English. Do you want to play it? Yeah, give me the power. But notice how it's written. Give me the. With a T-H-A. With a T-H-A. So it's obviously, this is what a kid on the street would say. I see. And then where did you first encounter it and why do you like it? Um, This song, when it came out, well, the song is about corruption. Okay. And about how everybody is going to fuck you if you, if you're not smart, they're they're going to, they're going to, they're going to mess with you. Okay. And it's kind of that that horrible corruption that pervades every aspect of society in Mexico. And it still does. And, you know, we have a new president who's trying his darnest to change that. But it's it's like he's swimming against this mm-hmm. ocean of corruption that's so rooted in the culture in a lot of ways that it's really... Corruption in all facets in of all government facets. and I culture. mean, even in little kids, like you see a little throw trash out in the streets, you know, and they don't care. You know, oh, so that's not so much corruption. It's it's maybe just, an awareness of yeah. No one's doing me any favors. But even that, I mean, the guy is gonna, the cops gonna come by, and then they're gonna be like, hey, don't throw, don't litter, I and see. then the dad's gonna give the guy money, and I mean, that still happens. Okay, it okay. still happens. So, and I think kind of going back to the Jorge Negrete song about that longing for that mythical place, mm. that Mexico that's in our head, but this song is more no, this this is really what's going on. So that little idea, that beautiful idea of Mexico with the flowers and the food and the songs mm-hmm. and the, you know, the friendly people, which is everything, all of that. But there's also this fucking corruption that won't go away. 
and which is why we're here, I guess. I feel like I'm going to say this, and I don't know if this is fair, but I, my impression is that a lot of Americans look at, they're sort of vaguely aware of the corruption problem in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of Americans probably look at it from afar and take it as though Mexican citizens are complicit. Like it's, it's as though they're not trying to make it better mm -hmm. because otherwise it would be right. Yeah. You know, I think that's the assumption, mm -hmm. but, but there's the, that is discounting the situation a lot, isn't it? Yeah. And there's also, you know, like I was telling, I remember having this conversation a long time ago with a friend, a very person who grew up in a very privileged uh, home, let's mm -hmm. say. And he said, well, you know, morality above all, it, sh it should be. Is this here in the States? Yes, here in the States. Okay. And I said, well, I mean, yeah, that's all well and good. And I'm, I'm all for it. But sometimes when, when hunger enters through the door, man, morality goes out the window. I don't mind stealing bread from the mouths of decadence. So, I mean, yeah. to a certain degree, it does have a lot to do with. It all starts with the horrible wages, which are so incredibly low that slave, slave type wages, like, right? Yeah. You can't ex be expected to raise a family on minimum wage. I mean, if it's hard enough here. It's like a thousand times worse down there, yeah. you know? So, I mean, you see teachers selling shit on Saturdays and Sundays. Like, they'll sell hot dogs on the street because yeah. they can't make ends meet. going to compare Molotov at this point mm -hmm. uh, to another American act, I mean, who do you think they're most like in that sense? Can you oh, think man, of anyone? That's a really good question. Because you you have so much better understanding because you understand the words, mm -hmm. and I think you've got a better understanding of the context. Uh, d does that translate to... I mean, just think of any artist here who's singing about you know, civic awareness and so, some of the things that are going on and like, who so like that you, you, even from this era, you can say maybe Jay-Z was doing something similar. Right? Yeah, I guess. Streets yeah. is watching, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, okay. exactly. Exactly. Okay. And they, this band, uh, a friend of mine, Kevin here, uh, in San Diego, he was telling me, he actually suggested Molotov for this episode mm -hmm. and I clicked on the video and it was a punk rock band. Yeah. So what's, what's been their arc Molotov? I, I, they weren't always doing instrumental. I mean, clearly it was a more hip hop influenced situation here, right? Yeah. And I think they've, like you said, they have evolved and, and now they're a lot harder. Oh. Can I say that? Yeah, sure. A lot harder, a lot. In attitude? Yeah. A lot more, I think, than they were heavier before. Heavier even? Heavier. Okay. Yeah. 
I didn't sure. really get a chance to listen to too much of their other stuff. But did you follow them or is this kind of like... I mean, I did for a while and then they just kind of fell off my radar. And then now that I've been going back to some of the stuff I used to listen to before, like I'm definitely, they're back on, on my... Okay. But I've been listening a lot to the, their older stuff as opposed to the newer stuff. You know, sometimes you go back and then you're kind of like, okay, this is the album that really spoke to me. And so you go back and you listen to it. Sure. As a much older adult, you're like, yeah, man. like that's, that's, <laughs> I don't that's know cool. why I thought of this question. What would your dad say about this song? That it's crap. And <laughs> <laughs> your mother? That it's horrible. It yeah. kind of doesn't matter if the lyrics are meaningful to yeah. the older folks, does it? Yeah, to them it'd be like, oh, this is bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, you know what my dad would say? They don't know how to sing. Well, yeah, they don't, probably. Oh. I was like, no, that's not the point, right? Uh, let's go get Joby's out of the way. Uh, Ramon Ayala. Whoa. What do you know about Ramon? Yeah, he's big, too, man. He's also that weddings, um, you know, that kind of guy. Uh, it's so. Ramon Ayala y sus bravos del norte, yeah. the, the braves of the north. Yeah, like bravos, like like the tough ones, the, okay. you know. A lot of machismo. Oh yeah. We, you and I have talked about this extensively mm-hmm. back when we were neighbors. We we were team teaching at the time. Yeah. And we would run into Mexican fathers from time to time, who mm. were really insufferable. And I don't mean that as like a stereotype. I mean those fathers, you would characterize them as being part of a greater problem. Yeah. What, what is that problem it's, in your it's eyes? The machismo that still hasn't gone away. Like it's still there. Like. I see it in my cousins, and they're younger than I am. You know, like there's still a lot of that bullshit. You know? Yeah. The men. No better. Mm, yeah, right. and the well, women have a place in society, and they shouldn't move from that little square. Like you still see a lot of people my age and younger still firmly believing that. You're oh you're God. a black sheep in this regard, aren't you? Oh, most definitely. Yes. You know, like my grandmother didn't want me to go to college because she said all I was going to do was sleep around and that was the purpose of me leaving home. You know, girls aren't supposed to leave home until they're married. Yeah. Like still, you still have a lot of that crap. Did you have some feminism bubbling under the surface before college or did you have to oh, go yeah. to college? You did. For sure. And and how For sure. How open are women about that in Mexican culture? I think now it's getting a lot better, mm-hmm. but it's nowhere near where it needs to be. And Ramon Ayala's band. It didn't help. Possibly part of the problem. <laughs> didn't help, let me tell you that. The song Joby picked is uh, Mi Piquito de Oro. Oh, see, that's a bullshit of, you know, like seeing women, you're either a fucking princess and they'll treat you like, they'll put you in a glass case because they don't want anybody to hurt you. Right. Because you're so fragile. And then, like, a few years later, go woman, go get my, you know, my beer from the. Fridge. So yeah, let's listen to that. Well, this is uh, mi piquito de oro is my translate that for me. My little gold, my mm. little piece of gold. No, piquito means like um, like a tiny little mouth, like something a bird would have, like the beak. Oh, okay. So my my golden beak. Golden beak. so fucking annoying about this like the song would come on and the guys like go and ask you to dance and then they do the thing where they like squish you into themselves oh. and they do the arm thing and then like they're grabbing you from the waist like they're it's, it's almost strong a physical arming. yeah yeah you're like dude and especially if they don't smell very good by that time in the party like they're already right but some women i imagine oh yeah they're all about all it. about it and i'm like fuck get the fuck away <laughs> Ay, viene, 
mi piquito de oro, ahí viene mi lindo tesoro. Is it is it difficult to separate the the context, the you know, the subtext from like can you enjoy the music? Like I think I have to be in a certain place in my head to enjoy it. Yeah. But yeah, like you're surrounded by your cousins. It's you know you know you're, you're at a party. You're you've already had quite a few shots of whatever. And <laughs> it's hard to separate it, separate the lyrics from the music. But yeah. Otherwise. But if, if I'm completely sober and I'm just listening to, you know, the song, then it's like, oh, this is bullshit. Okay. Who listens to Ramon Ayala? Men. Men, women. Everybody. Yeah. Okay. So it's just a, just a thing. It's just a thing. Yeah. Is it possible, just to play devil's advocate here, is it possible you're overthinking it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought as, you'd As say my no. aunts would say, you read too much. You need to stop. <laughs> you read too much. <laughs> well, I will say there's a versatile accordion here. Yeah. Would you agree with that at yeah, least? Yeah, yeah. Some kind it. of, some it. decent uh, work there. Man, this polka shit's hard, man. <laughs> It's hard but to you know through. what? I mean, don't get me wrong. In in a certain state, in a certain place, mm -hmm. like that music does have a, a place in my life, I guess. Like like I said, you're surrounded by family. You're so there is a moment in your life where you can kind of enjoy it. Okay. Let's put it that way. Like an atheist enjoying Christmas. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I I did. I actually <laughs> did Google uh, Ramon Ayala. Mm -hmm. Very ugly fat man. Oh, yeah. It's kind of funny that this song is, like, coming out of his mouth. Oh, yeah. I should see the music videos. He's coming out with these super hot girls, you know. Like, he's like this. <laughs> he's like Boss Hog or something. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. He's kind of short and, you know, got a big fat belly sticking out. <laughs> so, and, and this is from where? Uh, north, north, northern actually, again? It sounds very northern. The brassy stuff is okay. very northern. Um, I don't actually know where Ramon Ayala is from. Okay. I'm guessing he's dead. I think so, yeah. Um, just from pictures I saw, yeah. that's not a dude going the distance. <laughs> no, that isn't. <laughs> so I want to talk about uh, Sexy the Punk. Ooh. Do you know about this? No. My number one. All right. Is it's a it's I mean technically a musical group, more of a performance art group huh. called Las Hijas de Violencia. Ooh, the, the daughters of violence. Daughters of violence, and the song yeah. is Sexy the Punk, which is. Sexist, oh. sexist punk, I guess. Um, this is punk rock meets performance art. Right. Uh, these women go around um, purposefully to get catcalled, and then they turn on their their harassers with confetti guns to humiliate them back. Wow! And they'll sing in their face, and they'll stop traffic, and they'll really make it's think Pussy Riot. Yeah, in, in a yeah. sense, it's got All a lot right. of that. And uh, it's very, Whoa. but it's playful. It's funny because when, when they, I'll show you the video here in a second. When they confront their harassers, they jump up and down and they smile. In, in a way, it's very confusing to huh. the target. Uh, but they shoot the confetti gun right in their fucking face, you know. <laughs> and, and it's pretty great. Women in, in cities probably get this more than rural. Mm-hmm. What's, what's cat it like? calling stuff? Yeah. Oh, it's I mean, happens, it's a problem dude. everywhere. But yeah. I, I feel like in a... In a even more patriarchal society like like Mexico is now happens all the time. And and how how does that feel? I mean, is it happening to you? Feels like shit. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like shit. Like you don't. <laughs> but you know, when you're younger, it's it's kind of scary almost sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Especially if like it's just two girls. You're walking down the street. You see a group of guys, and like sometimes we'd even cross to the other side of the street because you know you're gonna get crap. 
just avoiding yeah yeah and then when you couldn't you just have to you would just you know keep on walking really fast and there's no there's no really culture of accountability when it comes no to this stuff. not at all yeah. like not at all so and it's it's just ridiculous it's like i don't know what they expect like do you want me to stop and like give me your like i'm gonna give you my phone number right then and there or have like, just a hand job right here right now on the yeah street, it's right? like yeah. all right let's go let's go let's go at it you know like what i don't know what the end like what the expectation is. I've never catcalled anyone. I, I actually have a hard time. I don't mean to be like you know, Mr. Ultra Liberal guy, but like, but I never understood the appeal. It felt counterproductive. Yeah, it's like no, I'm I'm not gonna go, you know, meet you for a coffee after you pulled this bullshit on me. Yeah, so is that so, what you were expecting? And probably not. <laughs> no. Probably not. That's what they're expecting. My guess is they're just doing it to flex their power. I think they're doing it for the buddies. Yeah, you know, yeah, to yeah. look, you know, watch how much of an asshole I can be. that's not going to be on our spotify list uh it's it, they're not recording artists this is more of a performance-based thing something and, they're doing and i will admit the music is kind of rudimentary but mm -hmm. but I, I like it i, I like the you like the idea i like the idea i like the the execution uh i would like to see more yeah. uh what do you think of this i this is the first time i see this and i i i really like it because they're so right like you do feel violated in this and people are saying oh they're just words but it's more than that. It's not just words. It makes you it makes you feel dirty. Yeah. And nobody it's likes it's a psychological thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost I'm like I'm guessing. <laughs> you know, I have power and I'm gonna use it type thing. That's what it, that's what it looks like anyway. I, I I just didn't know that there was sort of a a, a thriving punk rock mm -hmm. underground in Mexico and apparently there is. Yeah. And this is only one small part of it. So That's cool. I like that. That is about it. Is was there was there any other songs? Or artists that you'd want to mention that you've considered no. to be in your top three? That pretty much covers I it? I mean, there are others, but, you know, it's it's more of a, you know, things you listen on and off. But nothing that really sticks out like these three okay. to me. I mean, I, I sort of, uh, <laughs> I'll go over this later with, with Joby, but uh, the, I think the two biggest bands I could have thought of uh, and I do kind of like one of them. Is mm -hmm. the one I like is Mana, mm -hmm. but 
they do sound a lot like the police. Yes. A lot of the time. And that gets real hard. But they do have a couple songs I really like. And then there's this Caifanes, right? Yes. I saw stick Caifanes stickers on every other car in the 90s. But it was like Caifanes was fine. And then I realized they took a lot of stuff from The Cure. Uh-huh. And even the guy, the way he would dress in the beginning, it, it was yeah. all like Robert Smith. There's you know? a lot of that in, yeah. in, in Mexican culture, right? Where it's, it's either the Smiths tr- or the Cure. Yeah, yeah. How does that work? I don't know. It's like, it, it and it almost makes you a little upset. Like, let's come up with our own shit. You know, why? I mean, I, I understand you admire these bands. Yeah. But let's let's take it a step further. You know, let's, let's come up with than, our own. More than a tribute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're not tribute bands. We're like, be your own band. Uh, what else do you like not outside of this this sphere? I mean, we we touched on classical, we touched on Mexico. Uh, I listen. I'm listening to a lot of music from Spain, from Argentina, um, from here. Your things. your listening habits are very habitual. I mean, um, I guess I'd call it compulsive, right? Yeah. I remember I turned you on to Jeff Buckley's live album. Yes, I'm still listening to that years ago, and I swear to God, there was a full school year where you just listened to nothing else. <laughs> I still do. Do you still do like, that? Like I still do. So what do you what are you most locked into now? Out of like, habit, right now, what am I listening to a lot? Um, oh. Antonio Vega, that he's my guy oh, right now. Oh, you mentioned him. He is my guy right now. I'll and, put it. You know, let me put. Um, what's the name of the song? Dead. Give me a name um, so I can. Okay, it. so his biggest song was uh, "Lucha de Gigantes." Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it came out like it was big. It was like this huge song because um, he was part of a band and then he went solo. Um, he died like back in ninety something. Uh-huh. Um, I think he was on. He was using. Okay. So he died. Um, but what's what does he do? I'm trying to remember. Is it is it kind of? Does he play? Does he accompany himself? Yeah, yeah, he, he does. Plays guitar. Uh, he plays guitar, and he's there's just something about his voice that's so I don't know. There's there's pain in that man's voice, and the fact that I can hear it, I think, is it's... super cool. <laughs> I remember listening to it and thinking, this is a funny thing for Maria yeah. to be into. You You're not a to... mushy type. No, and it's definitely, it's pretty mushy, but it's also about fighting your demons in okay. a way. And I think he was fighting his demons with addiction. And he lost. That he was, and he, yeah, he lost. Okay. So. Uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. You this sit, was great. Would you do it again? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're only going to talk about Mexican stuff with you, though. Got it? Because <laughs> you're, you're a I'm Mexican. Brown? All right, let's call it here. Maria, thank you. You're welcome. Oh, you, you, do you want to share your social media or, or plug anything? I mean, there's nothing. Yeah, you're not. You're just going to go to work on Monday, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. Go kids. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) All right, bye. All right, bye. All right, well, there you have it. The Joby Free segment of the program that everyone probably (laughs) will pledge to our Patreon to keep that way. Yeah, Um, yeah, that's, that's our top tier. 
Uh, let's talk about your picks real quick. Your first pick, uh, I'm trying to find it on the playlist here. Uh, Banda El Recodo, the El Corrido de Mazatlan. This is this is one that Marie and I didn't like. Um, why did you like it? I just I loved the kind of bouncy feel to it. And I loved that this is a band that's been, I mean, you know, with some changes in their lineup, of course, they've been around for like 82 years and uh-huh. uh, they have like 17 people in the band. And I, I just think they're amazing. They're like a piece of history. Do you want to talk about La, La Carencia? Because I think I think Marie and I did like that one. I liked that one a lot because it, uh, it to me, that was kind of a like that band was weird. They reminded me of somebody like, um, I don't know who, like a 90s ska band, kind of. But they didn't have a lot of melding of their influences. Like It was like they had a punk song, then they had a ska song. Oh, then they had, really? you know, like they didn't mix it all up. And this song felt like you could kind of hear all of their influences a little bit. Okay. Like the guitars were distorted. You had the horns. Then there was like even a little Latin kind of flair to it as my son blows raspberries while I talk. Because <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, I just I liked the just the you know this song stood out from the other ones I heard by them because it just had like more, um, like it just sounded like more melding of their influences rather than just okay. this is going to be a punk song and this is going to be a ska song or you know whatever. I definitely got like a Cuban flavor in the keys there, but but beyond mm-hmm. that, it's all I can really remember. Yeah, yeah, it uh, did have kind of a sort of Cuban jazz feel almost to it or something mixed with yeah. the, the horns and whatnot. Uh, then you picked Ramon Ayala, who is, um, I thought it was funny because he's such an ugly man. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Ramon Ayala weighs a thousand pounds, you know, and he Marie looks, was yeah, saying, he looks like kind of a Mexican Ron Jeremy. Yeah. 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 That's perfect. Yeah. Marie was saying in his videos, he would always have like the hottest chicks on his side, even though he was job of the hut, you know? Sure. <laughs> So I think it's fantastic. I see that this is what's weird is because I I thought this was actually more like Norteño, so I might have my my no, like, is. regions mixed up. Because to me, this doesn't sound a whole lot like uh, Banda El Recodo as much because it's got the more accordion heavy stuff going on. Yeah. Oh, dude. wow. See, he's getting pissed off because I won't let him down. But if I let him down, he'll cry. So it's like no win. Um, <laughs> I've always loved Norteño music, especially like the accordion heavy stuff. Um, uh-huh. And I don't hear it <laughs> anymore. Like I, I kind of forget that it's even out there because I used to hear it every time I'd go to a Mexican restaurant in California. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, I don't think they even know what that is here. They, they don't play that kind of music at all. I see. So when I, when I put that on, I can almost smell the tortilla chips I swear to God, anything with like a lot of accordion and that kind of a bouncy sort of a beat, I'm all for it. And I might see like I, I might as well mention my also rans because see my also ran that turned out to be from San Jose was Los Tigres del Norte. Do you remember them? I remember the name. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, we used to stock them in the store all the time. But yeah, they're, they're not actually Mexican. Uh, well, oh, okay. I mean, they're Mexican, but they're not from Mexico. Right. Right. And then the other band, the, the first band that came to mind was Ozo Motley, but they're from L.A. So, yep, you know, yep. that sucks because I really like them a lot. My only other also rans were Mana. I mean, there's a couple of Mana songs that don't sound like the police that I kind of like. Yeah. Uh, there's Caifanes, but I'm sort of on the fence with them. I, of course, we want to mention Brujeria, even though they're not... I mean, a couple of them are from Mexico, right? Yeah, uh, I know the main guy, Dino Casares is, and then he had a different side project, too, called Asensio. 
or no, I'm sorry, Estesino got the accent mixed up, but that was more like a kind of revolving door, sort of a side project for a lot of other people. So I didn't consider them like fully Mexican. Uh, okay. And that's also D- that's that's Dino Cazares from Fear Factory, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then there was um, there's a band called I, I, I assume the way you pronounce it is Transmetal, like trans metal is what it looks like. Uh-huh. And uh, they were kind of one of the main like metal bands from Mexico, but all of their recordings were recorded in a garbage can, so <laughs> it wasn't even good enough quality to to bother playing on the show. Okay. Um, I had. Cafe Tacuba as I'm also ran. I had Mana as well. Oh my God, this motherfucker is biting me. <laughs> and he's got teeth now. What is your fucking problem, dude? Uh... <laughs> well, I was going to just, even though I didn't really like the music at all, I couldn't pass up posting that um, Vicente Fernandez album cover on Twitter, man, with the rose. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. And I think I even mentioned to you on Twitter. I remember selling concert tickets to acts like Vicente, Vicente, uh, Vicente Fernandez. And it was so exorbitant. I mean, that dude, there was not an affordable seat in the house. And that dude sold out in seconds. And that's this is back in the day when you couldn't even get tickets online. Like you, I would just have this yeah. line of people out my, my, my door at the store and it was incredible how popular he was. So, yeah. I remember that when you had to like go wait in line for tickets, fucking like a, like an animal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, I have a few more also rands if you if you don't mind. Oh, go ahead. Um, there's a punk band called De Nalgas, which I sort of enjoyed. And if you're not sure about the translation, that means of the ass. <laughs> from the from ass uh there's a death metal band called infinitum infinitum obscure out of mexico there's uh, a, a vaguely metal band i'm sorry not va- i have my nose are all screwed up here it's a metal band called agora and i i have their written down here they're vaguely iron maiden ish uh so not necessarily my thing but notable at least then there's another metal band that's a lot like cannibal corpse out of mexico called thanatology and uh, another one called Leprosy, which is sort of reminiscent of Sepultura. Uh, we have listener submissions. Well, I know. Let's see. There were a few. Now, Will said Los Straight Jackets, and I had to correct him on that because they are not Mexican. They just wear the luchador masks. I see. When they play. But they're a surf, like instrumental surf rock band from uh, Nashville, I think, actually, or somewhere in Tennessee. Uh, God Hand. Our unsigned from a couple episodes ago said lack of remorse. Yeah, I listened to them. They're pretty all right. And then uh, let's see. Tim said silent, which is sort of, you know, uh, the Mexican music, uh, at least popular music, kind of has this strain where they're. I don't think it's any surprise to some of us. They're they're obsessed with '80s era goth sort of m- music, and silent in particular. They have a really decent cover of the Cure's "Prayers for Rain." Let's see. Someone, uh, is it Nadine Records? Is that what this is? Nadine Oh, Rex? yes. That's, that's, that's Hair Puller's label. Uh, okay. Well, they recommended Neptuna. Yeah. Post-punk band. Pretty good.
us, uh, I guess, on Instagram, Swan69. Uh, recommended Sketacore. Or Sectacore. Sectacore. Yeah, that's like a ska with a metal influence. That was actually kind of interesting, as bad as that sounds on paper. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, what are we doing for our wager this, this particular day? Oh boy. Tell you what, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's go back to Metalachi and we'll pick a band from their record. Uh, they've got Queen, Dio, ACDC. I think we've already done ACDC. Uh, Twisted Sister, Extreme. (laughs) Guns N' Roses, which we've already done. They actually cover Santeria so we could do Sublime. Or kiss. Mm. This is a horrible idea, Jack. Good grief. Okay, how about this? On Metalachi's second record, they they cover Epic, so we could do Faith No More. Okay. I would love to do Faith No More because I we had just talked about them opening up that Metallica show, which ended up being the best concert you've ever been to in your life. And you were saying that how they had supposedly gotten booed off the stage, and that just continues to confound me 25 years later. I cannot imagine <laughs> Because that, that band was so electric on stage and their music is so good. Uh, I, although I do understand, you know, too many metalhead, fuck, fuckhead types, you know, being in one place. How they well, could just yeah, be like, I mean, if it's not Metallica, fuck it, you know. Well, there's that. Yeah. And then plus just no one had ever been introduced to them before. I mean, it was just too much for them to comprehend, you know. They were ahead yeah. of their time. Yeah, very much. Well, I'm a I'm a huge Faith No More fan, um, and I've got a bit of a winning streak going here, don't I? Yeah, I believe so. Um, well, where do that we, means what do you think, I Joe? I get to choose. Well, I mean, it seems like, uh, foolish not to choose Epic. Yep. So that's what I'll stick with. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty good bet. I guess the next best thing I could do, God, something like War Pigs or Midlife Crisis. I know what my second pick would be. I know I'm going to be surprised if you pick it. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, shit, now I really got to think. But you know how weird oh, I am oh. with like, what I would pick. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. You're going to say Lionel Richie. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good bet. I don't know if that's going to beat Midlife Crisis is all. Because Midlife Crisis was a single... Well, I guess they both had videos. Man, you got a point. Uh, flip a coin here, but let's go Lionel Richie. Fuck it. They covered, uh, I guess it's, was it Lionel Richie or was it the Commodores? I think it was the Commodores. Yeah. I think they, yeah, they covered easy, which was just like a B side on, I think that might've even been on the midlife crisis single faith. No more. Okay. Joby, you finally got a win, buddy. 61 million plays all the way at the, at the top is epic. Number two is easy. Wow. Number three is Midlife Crisis. So we're all in the right spot. Um, In case anyone's curious, the rest of the list goes Evidence, which is a track off of King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime, then Ashes to Ashes off of Album of the Year, which was probably the worst thing they ever recorded was that record. Then their cover, their live cover of War Pigs, Falling to Pieces, We Care a Lot, which is was actually the one hit they had before Mike Patton joined the fray. From Out of Nowhere, and then The Gentle Art of Making Enemies. God, I wish you were a bigger fan of Faith and More. I could talk about them all day. All right, Joe, figure out what you're going to assign me. I, I just wanted to change it up, and one is very different from what we've been doing, because we've really been having a lot of metal and stuff and punk the last couple episodes. So right. 
I wanted to kind of break it up. So one's uh, quite a departure and one is not so much. Okay, so we can go with the year 2000 or we can go with the year 1972. Uh, which is the bigger departure? 1972. Okay, let's do that. Okay, I uh, would like you to listen to the album Let's Stay Together by Al Green. Oh, no problem. <laughs> Not a problem. What was the 2001? Do you want to do you want to spill? Uh, Rated R, Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, yeah. See, I'd much rather listen to Al Green. That's cool. Well, uh, that pretty much wraps it up for us. So, so we're about to say adios, amigos. <laughs> but uh, I want to remind you to check so us white. out on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook.com slash The Ringing Ear. Twitter and Instagram at The Ringing Ear. If you've liked what you've heard here today, it would be really helpful if you subscribed and or rated and reviewed, etc. our humble little show. Absolutely. And uh, continue tuning in next week when we... Uh, are going to devote some time to our our mothers. I started to say dearly departed mothers, but that's a little too much of a downer, isn't it? Or is it? Well, I I don't think there's going to be any way to avoid it. Yeah, um, I guess not. Because our moms are not here. Are you doing like your mom's three favorite songs? Or are you doing any that are just like in the spirit of her, like you think she would like? Or how, how are you doing it? I was going to ask you the same question because I don't know what would be more interesting for the listener. That's what I'm worried about, too. I think as long as there's a good story, you know, if you can mm-hmm. talk uh, on, an, on an, an autobiographical perspective, I think that's probably going to be the most interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, it might be the hardest to talk about, but that, that'll be partially what makes it interesting, I think. That's yeah, exactly. Instinct. Maybe we can so. get people to cry again. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a soft touch. Don't forget to visit KillBornMusic.com to find reviews, photos, and links to a Spotify playlist for every episode that includes this episode. Uh, this would be an interesting one because we have listener also rans, our also rans, and our picks. So all set to go, sitting there on Spotify at the ringing ear. Don't forget, uh, as every week of season two, our theme song is written and performed by St. Louis's Eat Sleep Catapult. And you can find their EP, Little Did You Know, wherever you buy your music. So by all means, go forth and purchase said music. I was trying to say henceforth. I'm like, why am I trying to say that? That's not yeah. what I want to say. Uh <laughs> Unsigned artists, send your songs to us at KillBornMusic.com to be featured in our Unsigned Artist Spotlight. That is KillBornMusic.com slash contact. And uh, in our spotlight today is... Trauma Queen. Is the X, like, just so to differentiate them between some old... Because there was some old band, I think, called Trauma Queen. Uh, I don't know, but I do know that they're a straight-edge band. At least that's my understanding. So the the X is more than just uh, a, a differentiation to other bands. It's, yeah, it's also I, I, there was something in their uh, bio that gave it away. I can't remember now what it said. Something about giving a getting a rush from listening to it without the use of drugs or something like that. I was like, ah, straight edge, okay. I mean, this is certainly hardcore, and the lines are very blurry between metal and punk in in the genre of hardcore. I guess I would say this falls more toward the metal side. Well, it was weird. When I listened to the song, like the first, I don't know, minute and a half or so seemed like really kind of almost old school metal. Uh-huh. Uh, but once the lyrics kicked in, then it was all different. Then it like, then I was like, okay, there we go. <laughs> now we're talking. But the first yeah, minute and a half, I was not sure if I was on board or not. Well, this is a uh, South Carolina hardcore, which is, I don't think that's a pairing of words I've ever heard before, but I'll take it. <laughs> not, not with music anyway. <laughs> 
Yeah, actually, the funny thing about this is, is this is a band I had already found on my own, and I did not know that they were unsigned. So this is a, a happy accident for me. I, I, uh, I dig their sound. Yeah, it's a little hard to believe, actually. Why are they not signed? I don't know. They're pretty good. Pretty good. Let's start a label, man. Let's sign them. This will be our first band. <laughs> Just what we need, even less free time. <laughs> <laughs> so taking us out this week is South Carolina's Trauma Queen with their track Ophidian featuring Hunter Young. Uh, this, yeah, Ophidian is reminiscent. I guess that's a, that's a word that means snake. Uh, this is Jeff reminding you as always to fight the good fight, reject the rudimentary, slay the simple, murder the mundane, kill the boring, and by God, be sure to keep your pinche ears ringing. behind the barn hey hey stop it thank you